guys, this is Doug. Thanks for listening to What's the Hazard. I want to take a minute and thank our incredibly generous sponsors, Custom Concrete Specialists, PML Construction, the Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group, Liquid Trucking, Risk Skill Consulting. Thank you one and all. We really appreciate your support. Now today's episode. All right, we're on. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Doug, and you are listening to What's the Hazard? Hope you're having a good day or good morning so far. It is Friday, January 26th, according to my notes. Hopefully I got the right date. Yes, January 26th. I'm sitting here. You recognize this guy, Ben Honig. He was with me before. Um, and thanks for coming back. Yeah. Man, people don't usually come back. Why not? It's pretty nice for you to <laughs> offer to come back. Aaron probably comes back too much. Aaron comes back a lot, but, you know, he's got a standing invitation. He might show up anytime today. He has Perfect. a standing invitation. Um, if you recall, Ben is the district safety manager for with Kiewit. Fire Sprinkler Group. The Fire Sprinkler, Sprinkler Group. Yes. Can't even pronounce it, man. That's all right. We just, I had some carbohydrates at breakfast. You had one bite of carbs. <laughs> I told you. It's destroyed me. Brain um, fog. Well, I hope you guys had a good week. Um, I had a pretty decent week, interesting week. Um, I've got a couple of quick announcements, and then Ben and I will talk a little bit about safety. Um, he's uh, he kind of he thinks a lot about this stuff. I don't know that most safety people think about safety at the end of the day when they leave the job. You know, I think they just they put in their eight oftentimes, <clears throat> particularly safety people that are maybe assigned to a facility or something. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to overgeneralize. Maybe that's a misconception on my part, but. You think about this a lot, and uh, we've talked about it on occasion. There's a lot to talk about. So Yeah, I think it's uh, it's less about thinking about safety, like nerding out on safety, but mm-hmm. it's it's picking up any way you can make uh, things better each day, right, or add something new because that's the hardest part about um, what we do is finding different ways to say it. And, yeah. and if you're just going to sit there on, on regulations, then, yeah, you can go home every night and – but it's like, how do you get that one guy, right, mm-hmm. or that group of people or this new facility or this new project? How do you start that culture? How do you grow it? How do you maintain it? And you're going to need everything in your tool bag. Yeah. And it sometimes comes from watching TV. You might get an aha moment, uh, reading a book. Everything applies, mm-hmm. right? Plenty of podcasts out there we talked about this morning, all the different avenues that uh, – you can pick up good information. I think that's interesting. I think, and I think, and, and I've talked about this in the past. I think particularly when you are looking at areas that would not necessarily be immediately associated with safety, when you are listening or watching other things that aren't directly safety related, you know, I wonder sometimes, and, you know, I, what would Elon Musk say about safety, you know, or what would some of these, Right. Really imaginative, creative people say about this safety world that we live in. Would they would they even regard it as we do or would they think what we are doing is just completely, you know, absurd or unnecessary? How would they view it? I think that's really interesting. Well, I think, you know, there's there's some good diagrams out there. Um, I got one that I sent you, but it's it's called the uh, phases of a safety culture. Mm -hmm. And I want to say maybe DuPont or some of those early adopters promoters of some of these programs um, came up with it, but it's one of those that it just kind of is out there. And you got to kind of, you got to figure out where do you fall into that spectrum? And it goes from zero. What is safety? What are we talking about? Mm -hmm. Who's OSHA, things like that. And then it goes all the way to intrinsic safety, 
because you know just as so well as I do, most companies, most people, offices are extrin- extrinsically motivated by safety. It's never their own idea. Mm-hmm. Either OSHA came in and forced their hand on something, uh, a client, a job opportunity, a contract is requiring something, uh, a CEO. I mean, it's all kinds of external motivations. And <clears throat> so first figuring out where do you fall on that spectrum? And then eventually you get to this, well, at minimum, it's the law. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have to, at minimum, follow it because it's the law. And then as you start to get good at the regulations, like, look, we're following all the laws and all the rules, but we're still hurting people. What are we missing? Um, that's when your insurance companies, again, an external motivator says, well, you stop hurting people. We can lower your premiums. <laughs> right. And, uh, right. And, there's an, there's, and then there's the, the studies and the, the research in, on indirect cost of injuries, direct cost of injuries. And then that next phase of evolution from compliance-driven is now financially driven, right? You realize that safety saves the company money. Um, it saves, uh, whether it's for the company or for, for the people, this is where you're starting to enter this territory of it's about the person. It's more about the people that work for you and less about the company, right? In my personal opinion, the rules and policies are there to protect the company. Mm-hmm. And there's obviously some great guidance and some, some instructions to keep people, you know, between the ditches, if you will. But, uh, once you can just start building those relationships and that trust with your front line, and and I'm not a big warm and fuzzy kind of guy, but you know you don't have to put your arm around them and give them big hugs, but if they ask for something or speak up and you react and help in that mm-hmm. situation, that does grow over time, mm-hmm. right? They may be scared to come to you, or you may, you know, offer, hey, we have this new program, we want you to participate. It's going to be great for everybody, and the one person that comes to you. Says so I'll give it a try, and if you screw that up, it's done. You, you've lost, right? Yeah, you lost that opportunity. But yeah, it's it's figuring out. But you know, getting to intrinsically mo- uh, motivating yourself to be safe. Like, there's no law out there. There's no um, data out there that says that that in, that influences me to wear a seatbelt. It's just something I do because mm-hmm. it's the right thing to do, mm-hmm. right? Nobody's putting on a seatbelt. If you're putting on a seatbelt in the morning saying, I don't want to get a ticket, right? That's, is that really the motivation? Is that the, is that where you're at in your safety journey? That's an interesting point. So, but eventually it, it, it grows to where you can be, if you get the right people to where you want them to be, the rules, the the policies, all the, all the regulations really are irrelevant because Mm -hmm. people are just doing things because it's the right thing to do. Right. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a good litmus test would be, you know, the, the, sometimes you see it out there on LinkedIn, the shopping cart theory. And, uh, you know, the people who put the shopping cart away, like there's no law, there's no rule, there's no social, you know, um, etiquette there. It's just, this is my responsibility. I took it out. Mm -hmm. I put it back. When you put it back into that little corral yeah. there in the parking lot, yeah. Yeah. is that interesting? I, I, do your employees do that similar mm-hmm. thing at work? Or are they just going to leave it right there where they emptied it and drive away from it? Yeah. That's, that's an interesting analogy. Yeah. I like that. 
Um, I think I, th- I think you made some really interesting points too, because the evolution of this culture that you <clears throat> describe, I think most people do start off with that compliance mindset. Mm-hmm. We uh, we have come to understand that we are required to follow these OSHA rules, whether there was some kind of an incident or some OSHA motivation of some sort. <clears throat> but we start off with that and. That, that's not really engaging. That doesn't really involve the employees necessarily. It doesn't really motivate employees, obviously, to go around and scream at them. OSHA says you have to do this. And right. oftentimes those are not ridiculous requirements, but they don't often make a lot of sense. And so now we're doing all these weird things that right. some they entity says that we have to do. Yeah. People used to beat their employees. Well, OSHA says even when they wanted to motivate them, they would just say OSHA says we have to do that, whether yeah. it was true or not, just right. because that was their <clears throat> their intent. But that evolution to the financial motivation is interesting, mm-hmm. where they realize that if we do these things and reduce incidents, reduce injuries, there's a benefit to the company financially. Um, that's, that's an interesting evolution. And then I think a lot of people stop there that's where they're stuck yeah they're stuck in that compliance financial and we we say these things um you know safety is a priority right and it's like our priority this morning was breakfast Mm -hmm. until traffic hit and then (laughs) there could have been a situation where the priority is now getting here it changed right because we had a distraction we had a uh unknown changing condition and um your priorities change constantly throughout the day so Mm -hmm. um Safety always, there's, there's all these buzzwords, but at the end of the day, it's, it's just how well can you build your, your group to where they're the ones making the decisions, the mm-hmm. people at the front line, whether well, they're pulling a press or they're running a skill saw, right? Well, they put the card away. Yeah. That's ultimately, yeah. that is a great description, man. Yeah. This is, I mean, my buddy, um, oh shoot, what the heck was his name? The guy from uh, Alcoa. Probably still is his name. Oh, I think he's passed. He has since <laughs> okay. passed. Oh, okay. Um, and it, it escapes me for some reason. I, I apologize for that. But he was the one that described discretionary energy. You know, every employee has, you know, energy, this minimal, minimal amount of energy they have to contribute to their work day mm-hmm. in order to keep their job. You know, I do this and I do that and I get my tasks done and I leave. Right. But every employee has this discretionary energy. They can do more. You know, they can give more. And, and you need to be able to, in order to tap into that, that, you know, that whole trust factor, that belief thing that you've described, that culture. Yeah. If they believe that, you know, you've enlisted that guy, you finally convinced that guy that you mean it, that you're going to get him what he needs. He's mm-hmm. asked for something and you deliver. They give you that discretionary energy. They put the cart back in the, in the, in the, the corral, yeah, the cart corral, you know? Yeah. And um, that's really what we're looking for. That's all we're looking for. Mm-hmm. A li- tapping into that just a little bit. Well, and you look and it, and, and by no means is this a, um, uh, measurement or a perception on like any social economics or, or any company in particular, but you go to Walmart, there's carts everywhere, <laughs> you know, and right. because it's just chaos. Like right. everybody goes to Walmart and then you go to whole foods and it's likely all the carts are there because it's a smaller population of people. Right. Um, so you look at companies, like if you try to control all of your people with the same intentions, you're probably going to have a little bit of chaos, right? Because 
in construction, your operators have different risks than your iron workers. Sure. Right. Dirt work guys have different risks than electricians, you know, and everybody has their own risk. <clears throat> One of our keys to success at the fire sprinkler group is we took a look at about 10 years of statistics and we categorized them with the help of our craft employees. We categorized them into three d- buckets. Um, Working at heights, handling materials, and using tools. 80% of our injuries came from those three categories. So let's forget about everything else, mm-hmm. right? We don't need to worry about excavation safety in the fire sprinkler group. We, mm-hmm. there, there's, no, there's no need for us to um, you know, worry about, um, like I said, I mean, you name it. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, just, there's enough out there. But what I told my guys, what we, we said we need to do, we have to be the best at working at heights, because it's what we do every day. We have to be the best at handling our pipe, whether it's from delivery to installation. We have to be the best at that and everything in between, right? And then our tools. We only use a handful of tools, so let's be perfect at that. And all of our conversations are geared around those three categories. And it's it's working. Absolutely. Right? So, um so you take a little bit of the emphasis off some of those less important yeah. issues that we tend to get hung up on sometimes. It's like, do we have fire extinguishers in every one of our work trucks? Yes. Do we have first aid kits? Yes. Do I really need my guys to inspect those every day? Do you have it? Yeah. Like, we're, yeah. we're also a fire suppression and service provider. So, like, we have, I mean, there's no excuse to have them expired, but mm-hmm. just go get another one in the back. But... um like where where's the energy really need to go? Mm-hmm. And then there's other things in the peripherals like, hey, defensive driving. We drive a lot. We have a big fleet. Our guys are on the road constantly. So that's a risk. But that's also one of those things that are that's somewhat out of our control. You can only defensively drive so well until others mm-hmm. ru- ruin it for everyone else. Right. But we can control working at heights. We can control what ladders we give our guys. We can control what fall protection we can control how we bid the jobs, um, what scaffold companies we use. Mm-hmm. We can control um, all the tools we provide, how we use them. And then it just comes down to we hope that we've provided that environment for our people to be successful and make successful choices. And it just comes down to are they able to make the choice yeah. on them. Yeah. Right. Would you describe that process a little bit? So you said you went back <clears throat> through about 10 years of data. Mm-hmm. You, you employed some of the craft guys to help with the analysis or at least to discuss the findings at some point. And then you selected those three topics that you thought these are where we really need to focus our attention. Kind of that Pareto thing we talked about earlier. Yeah. 80% of our issues result from these few, right. these things. We really need to focus heavily <clears throat> on that. Is that the process? I mean, is that... Yeah. How, how would people that are listening do that? Well, they- <clears throat> so the from a general contractor standpoint, um, coming from the Keywood Building Group side of things, we have to worry about everything in the OSHA book because we have everything from dirt work, site work to roof work to interior finishes, yeah. every lockout, tag out, stairways and ladders. It all applies, and you have to be somewhat of a, a master of everything, mm-hmm. but also understand which each sub is involved with and and so on and so forth. We have the luxury in the fire sprinkler group that we only have to worry about a few things. And so 
when you go, when you send a sprinkler guy um, to a job site, I mean, even in this building, the system is fundamentally the same. You know, there's there's a pump, there's a stamp pipe, there's a main, there's branch lines. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. Right? The design's different, how much of it, how, you know, flow and all that stuff changes. So you're always going to use a ladder. You're always going to use a scissor lift. You're always going to use band saws. You're always going to use power machines. You're always going to have to use pipe carts. You're always going to have to carry pipe, move pipe, handle pipe. So if we do this every day, but our injuries are through the roof, and for some people, you know, we were having, you know, 10 a year, 10 recordables a year. Mm-hmm. Some people were like, wow, I'd love to have 10. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we, we, well, we you don't want 10. We, after five years of, of trying this, we went zero for the first time in all three companies' history. Oh, my gosh. With yeah. almost a million man hours of, wow. of work in place. And, um, you know, that conversation on that metric and everything is, is another conversation. But uh, um, that's just how we're rated and judged on performance these days. And so we're saying, hey, we want, we kind of essentially define the role of a sprinkler fitter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is someone who handles pipe at heights with tools. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? Every day. Yeah. Like whether it's, six feet or it's 40, 50 feet. In some cases we've had a hundred feet, 200 feet in the air. And mm-hmm. so that's where we have to be that's not only, not game. only safe, safe wise, but it's like, we have to be at top of our game professionally mm-hmm. um, as a provider, whether it's to this existing facility as a service provider or a new installation to a new construction project. Um, and that was kind of our challenge to ourselves is let's be the best that we can be and then keep our conversation simple. Mm-hmm. Keep, keep the fundamentals. We still have to plan our work. You know, we still have to report our injuries. We still have to report near misses. You know, all the other peripheral things that support. But day in and day out, we can control these things regardless if we're on a site that has no safety or a site that has too much safety. We stay in our, in our lane. Mm-hmm. And that just keeps our guys focused. Because like we were talking at, at breakfast this morning, the subcontractor world, we answer to dozens, like hundreds of different contractors and clients. They all want something a little different, right? We talked about general industry clients that should be under 1926, but have decided to impose their four-foot fall protection rule mm-hmm. instead of six without thinking about the equipment we use, right? Mm-hmm. Do we have enough fall clearance? Is it even relevant? Should we even wear fall protection, right? Mm-hmm. So now you got guys with the wrong policy in the wrong arena checking a box. Mm-hmm. And that's- Are those the liability people? Are they the ones that are most worried about protecting their company <clears throat> versus protecting the employees? Do you think that's why they, they do those things? I think there's, yeah, I think there's ego. Like we have it figured out. Listen to us. I think there's laziness. We don't want to splinter this off and have more things to manage and focus. It's just easier to blanket statement everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think there's also just an education gap where it's like, no, that's what do you mean? There's another standard. (laughs) What do you mean? We switch standards, (laughs) you know, Um, Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of everything. And and none of it's I don't think anything's intentional. It's just, you know, you go back to, you know, they said 
we have to do this. It's like, mm-hmm. well, let's first start this conversation with who is they mm-hmm. and what did they say exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think a lot of people are fooled by the optics that more safety, more administrative safety is just cosmetic. Uh, it really has. Cause I, cause I go through the front end. I provide all the documentation. I go through some of these hoops and then you go to the job site it's not it. Nothing. No, there's no safety. Mm-hmm. There's no follow-up. There's no accountability. And that's why Keywood is, uh, in my opinion, so much different than a lot of the contractors is because when you do go out on the site, you can see it. You can feel it. Mm-hmm. It is It is there, right? And, yeah, I might be a little biased, but. and um, We put a lot into it, so I hope but so. But I've gone on a lot of great work out there across mm-hmm. the country with all kinds of different contractors and clients and um, there's a lot of good things that are going on, and and so you just try to hang on to that and educate where you can. Yeah. But a lot of times, a lot of people are are unprepared for that conversation. They take it as a debate, and that's kind of where that ego mm-hmm. comes in. Like, what what are you telling us this for? Mm-hmm. Right. So, it's it's challenging. What what's, but, what's your role in all this at this point? I mean, obviously. Keywood fundamentally has a good program in place. The principles are pretty solid. You know, I think it's been around for a while. What what specifically is your role as the district safety manager with respect to that, the cultural piece that you were talking about and those kind of things? I mean, I'm sure you have things that you are responsible for documentation-wise and things like that, but how do you contribute to that? So as a Keywood company, um, there's kind of two two roles really there's the we have to take everything that we're expected to do as a keywit company and apply it to our group and and help our guys understand and make sense to to the work we do right some things fit really well and it's a no-brainer some things um are a little little trickier but we find ways to make it work and not not like i said i, I hate checking boxes mm-hmm. i but we'll, we'll say, hey, this is the fundamental, right? There may be, if you take things literally from anybody, you, you're going to lose it in context. So it's like, hold on a second. There's a reason why Kiwit, like why this is important to a Kiwit executive or a Kiwit um, safety committee or, or department. Because fundamentally, this works. So what does that break it down? Fundamentally, how does this apply to us, Right. Because if you sit here and it says, maybe it's written in the sense of, um, hey, the project safety guy needs to do this or the project will have this. It's like, well, we don't control the projects we work on. So that doesn't apply to us. Wait, fundamentally, what are they asking? So then that's how we incorporate it into the business is breaking it down to the the simplest form possible. But um, the other side of that is, I also have this GC who's pushing their stuff down. This GC is pushing their stuff down. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of prequals, um, a lot of uh, going to bat for our guys. You know, we, we got a job where our fall protection is too advanced for the current regulation on a project. And so you, you, you think we got shut down for failing to tie off when, in fact, we're just – their, their policy is just a little behind the industry, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So um, that's interesting. We would like to help, right? Global perspective mm-hmm. on what we're trying to achieve as a company. 
because our world exists off of this job site more so than, you know, it matters to you, mm-hmm. right? You're worried about your little time with us now. Right. And I get it. It's challenging to build a culture in 18, 24 months in commercial construction. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're going into any one of these uh, uh, fixed facilities, you know, we go in for a week, a couple days, few hours. Um, we don't really care to build a culture with you. Mm-hmm. Just right. follow the rules. Right. You know, and, and there, then that's, that's part of it. Right. Right. So we tend to, it's interesting. We're really trying to help our guys, um, weather those storms, ignore the noise. Cause there's a, a lot of bad advice out there. Yeah. There's wow. a lot of wrong advice. There's a lot of CYA advice. And for them to, we've, we have been guilty of them just playing victim and giving into it. And then something happens. Um, but they're, our guys are getting really good at saying, hold on a second. I need to make a phone call. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause this sounds, this sounds wrong. This sounds like it's against our, what well, we've been preaching. The core principles yep, that are, we call them our rock star categories. Okay. So, um, but that's where, um, I spend most of my time because our guys are really good at just following basic rules. We, mm-hmm. we, we don't have guys standing on the top steps of ladders right, right. and overreaching on, uh, over, you know, stand on the rails, scissor lifts and things like that. Um, it comes down to this cosmetic superficial, you know, buzzword safety. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, mm-hmm. we, we got shut down, um, because we're using a, a JHA. They want an AHA. That's a real story, Doug. Like that happens all the time. I don't know what an AHA is. What? Yeah, well, it's activity versus job hazard analysis. Okay, right? It's just okay. A- just some little colloquialism <laughs> yeah. for that company, and yeah, the guy didn't recognize the acronym, so we got to shut yeah. this down. But we get we re- but for the equal amount of uh, that stuff, we do have an equal amount of safety professionals we work with that are like. We could care less what you call it. Yeah. Are you planning your work? Are you recognizing your hazards? And are you mitigating those the best you can? Mm-hmm. Yes. Good. Yeah. Right. That's so. interesting, man. Oh, that would be that would be really challenging because, as you said, you are you're being confronted with misconceptions everywhere you go. Those different generals and the different contractors you're working with. Yeah, and it's perhaps uh, misinterpreting, misapplying, and and you try to. You try it w- to, to approach it with just your best intentions. You know, I, I could easily be up here ranting and raving and, and salty about it all. It's, I mean, <laughs> it's great that we get to see and experience everything. You know, that's what makes our business unique. Mm-hmm. Rather, you know, we, we could have a fitter today in a uh, pork facility or a, a Omaha steak facility mm-hmm. with a 40 below freezer, mm-hmm. you know, because a pipe burst, right? To, um, you know, uh, multi-billion dollar oil and gas energy facility, um, to a pork rendering plant, to a, mm-hmm. you know, tractor facility, to... Uh, yeah, big office building, even office building. administrative yeah. functions or we've, something. We've done uh, railroad tunnels, mm-hmm. we've done no. railroad bridges. I mm-hmm. mean, But that makes you very flexible. That makes you mm-hmm. really quickly adaptable to be able to adapt yeah. to those different and that's, demands. And that's the, that's why we have to have those core fundamentals um, for our guys because of everywhere they go, they have to keep those in mm-hmm. check in that way. 
they have they have the right path to stay on. And mm-hmm. if there's any deviation or distractions, they they know to to, to ask more questions. Mm-hmm. Right. So you said something at breakfast that I thought was really interesting, other than the fact that I was going to have some carbs and you're like, you big fat pile of goo. <laughs> and um, you had said something about being required to use fall protection in a scissor lift, which is not something that is a, like a compliance <laughs> issue. It's not an OSHA issue at this point. OSHA doesn't require it as long as the standard guardrails are in place. Right. And you're working with, you said it, you could describe it as a trust issue more than it is a safety issue. And right, I yeah. thought that was absolutely on the money, man. Talk about that just for a second. I thought that was right on the money. One of the, yeah. So one of the, the biggest best practices we see is, uh, Companies or organizations wanting to have employees tie off in a scissor lift, which, as you know, falls under the scaffold regulations, Mm -hmm. not the aerial Mm -hmm. boom lift. Um, And they've done a good job of merging that conversation to Mm -hmm. one with MEWP. And if you read the scaffold regulations, at no point, even scaffold erection doesn't necessarily require you to tie off. Now, with fall protection, you know, there's 10-foot rule in scaffold steel is 15 feet for connectors and roof work has different fall mm-hmm. and and everybody has agreed most companies agree that hey we're not going to mess around with that we're going to go six feet across the board and so <clears throat> requiring employees to tie off in a scissor lift two things really happen one um you're asking someone to tie off to a mobile scaffold which has its most issues scaffolds are, are, are not rated for tie-off, mm-hmm. right? Unless they've been tested, approved, or mm-hmm. manufactured and all that stuff. Um, some companies say the manufacturer has the anchor points there. You must use them, which is wrong. 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 Um, and But they sell it as like, hey, we're extra safe. This is our next evolution to being safe. Um, we're adding a policy and that's, that's part of this conversation is adding policies to your safety program to chase your injuries or to chase or trend, uh, a lagging indicator mm-hmm. of some, um, is only going to protect the company at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It really has no influence really, to motivate people. And, you know, they doesn't they, really ultimately increase the safety level for the employee. Yeah. There's no, there's no engagement. There's no, mm-hmm. it's just simply saying, if you fail to follow this, you're either going to get hurt or we're going to fire you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then they say it's a safety thing, but in reality it's a trust thing because if it was such a problem with, with climbing out of baskets and standing on mid rails, there's one policy you're caught, you're fired. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, that's it. Yeah. You know, and <clears throat> <clears throat> so they, they impose this and then you start to see this, where this check the box comes in. Cause you've imposed it. This is your rule, but then you also fail to, to understand fall protection technology. So you'll see a guy with a six foot restraint device. Well, he could still climb on the mid rail and it'd be awful if he did fall because there is no shock absorption mm-hmm. um you see guys with non-leading edge sharp edge equipment which the new ANSI standard 3m's adopted i'm sure the other companies have adopted it too but if you are going to use um stuff in a lift then or use fall protection in a lift it must be class two that's the new rule from last year is that the one that allows you to anchor below your head yeah it, yeah so your you knees, go over your feet, the edge 
Um, but the key is that if you were to ha use anything that's non-leading edge, um, put sharp edge in there uh, if you want, but it's the, it's the class two. As soon as you go over, right, let's say you're using a device where your shock pack is at the anchor point. Mm -hmm. You go over, your anchor point is now transitioned to that top rail, and you have no shock absorption now because mm -hmm. it stayed behind at right, the last it's, it's anchor back point. Behind it that. did not go with. And mm -hmm. so um, I think it was about five or six years ago we chose as a, as a business to eliminate all fall protection from the company. We only use leading edge, sharp edge, class two devices. Um, but we also have a permitting process that is designed to um, think of fall protection equipment last and ensure that every engineering control administrative of the whole hierarchy has been okay. thought of and Im implemented before anybody goes to work. Okay. So you've done two things, basically. You've eliminated uh, a need for choice. You know, I've got 10 different pieces of fall protection equipment, and I have to choose the correct one. Right. You've just picked the pinnacle piece. It's going to be applicable for 99.9% .9 of all situations. Mm -hmm. So we've eliminated that, and then you've also implemented this permitting process so that we can hopefully through the process of hierarchy eliminate the need for fall protection in the right. first place if it's if it's possible and i like that, that yeah and that's the way you know there's a lot of companies you probably heard the term ladders last mm -hmm. and a lot of these companies are saying hey ladders are fine just make sure when you bid the work you're, you're not trying to cut cost by mm -hmm. doing out of ladders get the lifts you need right spend the money if, if it's extra we want it Mm -hmm. We want it to do it that way because the lift is the safest way. But when you start getting people to tie off in lifts and you add these restrictions, you're almost going backwards and saying, well, do I have to tie off on a ladder? Mm -hmm. And they'd be like, no. Well, then I'm using the ladder because yeah. this is a pain in the ass. Exactly. And so. Um, Interesting. But if you were, and I'll probably, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but. You know, they say never stand on the top rail, never stand on the mid rail. And that's fine. I get it. Especially if you're tied off. A lot of these have anchor points. These lifts have anchor points on the floor. Right. Or at the mid rail. And as soon as you get on the mid rail or above, you're now below foot level tie off. And there mm -hmm. is absolutely no product out there rated for below foot level. Mm -hmm. There's at or above, depending on your weight. Mm -hmm. If I think it's if you're under 310. You can go to your feet. If you're over 310, you're tying off at your knees, maybe a little higher. Mm -hmm. But all the charts are there to help you assess that. But if you are tie, if you need to get up on the rails, it's more. it turns into more of an ergonomic thing, especially if you're tied off to structure outside of the lift, right? Because mm -hmm. it's no longer about the lift. It's fall protection now. Right. Now, you'd say, is that the best working surface to stand on? Is that the best uh, ergonomic surface to use? whether than straddling a rail or like, mm -hmm. I get it. Um, but there's times where there is no other way, right? You've exhausted other options, but as long as you're tied off outside the lift, it's now a, what's the difference of you tied off over your head, standing at a leading edge on an I-beam, on a roof, on an air handler, tank, oh. vat, you mm -hmm. name it. It's as long as you have your anchor point, your mm -hmm. fall clearance, mm -hmm. everything in play, you're good. Mm -hmm. So. No, I would agree with you, and I, I don't think it's I – mean, it may be controversial to say that because people that are, you know, by the book are going to say, well, you, oh, you can't do that. Right. But if you are talking about 
is there a hazard still remaining? You know, that what is the hazard there? The hazard has been addressed. Yeah. That, that's, that's an interesting challenge, too. There are a lot of people that just <clears throat> they just can't see beyond the black and white of those. And it, it, it becomes a little bit problematic because you can't address you can't do certain work. And the success we've had with the fall permit, because most people would say you're doing a permit and you're adding paperwork to the process. If we do it right, that permit goes away. It only stays if you're going to wear fall protection equipment, mm-hmm. right? Um, or if there's a risk of some falls introduced or some some other um, fall hazards that may not be totally removed. But if we can get a guy that's planning to wear a harness and, and tie off with standard uh, fall protection equipment out of that PPE, whether it's erecting scaffold and having handrails, whether it's um, – renting a, a lift of some sorts. Maybe you still have to rent a boom lift and he still has to wear fall protection, but it's still better than maybe climbing a rebar cage, right? Which we've done. We've, mm-hmm. you know, our guys have had to set sleeves and, and very high rebar uh, cages, elevator walls, things like that. Mm-hmm. And instead of climbing, which our guys are not rebar climbers, they're not positioning guys. Right. They, we rented a lift. It was, you know, maybe three grand that was, uh, but it's what they're familiar with. It's what yeah. they're used to doing. You can set your your sleeve and your 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 hardware and your tools in the basket. Right. Go up. Yeah, you send them up that rebar, and now you've changed everything for them. Yeah. And if you can eliminate those those changes, those things that are unfamiliar, I think you've and it's and it's just easier, mm-hmm. right? It's like making things as easy as possible mm-hmm. without. I mean without overcomplicating yeah. it. So, yeah, that's a big deal, man. I think, I think we do overcomplicate things often. And, um, I think by keeping it simple, keeping, you know, keeping the right choice, the simple choice, the easy choice to, if the, to the extent that you're able to do that, you've, you've won the game, mm-hmm. you know, cause yeah, the, it, cause most of our guys, I mean, they're not safety guys. I mean, if you could, you can teach safety to anybody. I think you've said on a couple of your podcasts, you could teach safety to a monkey. I have, <laughs> but <laughs> I've worked with monkeys. It's like, how practical can you make it? And I know a lot of your viewers and listeners um, are probably in general industry, you know, construction, um, construction changes so much. You have to be prepared to adapt. Right. Right. Versus a fixed facility. I mean, you're kind of lucky because the hazard's never going to change. I think fixed facility is significantly easier overall than what you guys do. Yeah. I mean, cause we could say we could go do a plastic pipe job today and I guarantee you there's open holes. Um, we've had contractors that will take the, the Santa cans and put them on those ba- those little balconies mm-hmm. for like third and fourth floor. I mean, th- that's where OSHA gravitates to, mm-hmm. but we're sitting out here and you know, the roofers up there with no shirt on, no fall <laughs> protection, flip flops, and we're in full PPE and, yeah. and doing our stuff. And, and then you go to, um, you know, some of these, uh, you know, Fortune 500 companies and it's, you know, to the nines and, and safety gear, right? But from a general contractor standpoint, there, it's almost impossible to um, automatically trust every subcontractor, especially mm-hmm. if you're in the low bid world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So. You, never, you don't know how long they're going to be here. It's like, hey, I'm sure you have a safety program. One of my aha moments was out in Denver. And uh, kind of a shout-out to E&K. But we were having some issues with E&K on the, on the job site. And their 
their executive team from Chicago came out and we said, what do you expect of your employees? And they laid out this, this groundwork of all the, the hot topic safety ideas and programs mm -hmm. and buzzwords. And so it's like they, they, they're having the right conversations, but they were too busy trying to do what we want them to do. And mm. so we found some common ground and said, well, if you're expecting your guys, I think at the time they had like this take five book. It was kind of their PTP. Mm -hmm. And we were asking them to do, uh, I forget if it was like a green book or something like that. And they said, we're doing a PT. This, our PTP is called take five. I go, well, I would expect you guys to do better at ours, but I would expect you to do great at yours. Mm -hmm. So let's try this. Let's do yours. For the time being. Let's do it great. Yeah. So then it's like, instead of you're failing at doing someone else's program, if you're either succeeding or failing at doing your own, then we'll decide where we're going from there. Mm -hmm. But um, try to find opportunities to, especially if you're a GC, find out who your subs are, what they're capable of. Because tell you what, if you got Continental coming onto your site, you have an ally. Mm -hmm. You have somebody that, one, don't worry about us, not saying ignore us but saying if you need help right like we can help drive culture we mm -hmm. can help um provide subject matter information um and i think there's a lot of good trades uh listening to your guy from uh commonwealth mm -hmm. like yeah had a lot of good things to say Todd, yeah you Interesting. know um i know like i said ian k miller electric mm -hmm. mcc all these guys are Trying to hit on all the right cylinders. You know, this there used to be this issue that, at least that I saw in the construction world as an, an observer from the outside, that there was always this regression to the mean. Whatever, you know, whatever this lowest common denominator was, mm -hmm. most companies regressed down to that level. If the GC was really loose, <clears throat> everybody was really loose. Right. You know? Oh, I don't... They're not wearing it, so everybody's throwing their shit off and whatever. Yeah. But it sounds like particularly with Continental and with with your group and others, we are going to maintain our level. And if you guys are the flip-flop, no-shirt guys, so be it. But we're going we're gonna to follow our rules. We're going to implement our pr programs mm -hmm. and policies. And ultimately, we may actually elevate some of those other. Right. At least we set an example for them to see. Yeah, like one, uh, one humble brag is uh, Kiwit's moving in the new PayPal facilities right and mm -hmm. so we're, we're doing a lot of remodel over there getting offices ready and uh we we bought some of these cage ladders from little giant mm -hmm. and they're perfect for the work environment now miller's got them you nice. know now Ke you know, kiwit's looking at them i mean like mm -hmm. those are the things that we see on jobs and then that's where your opportunity to say um hey guys you're the only ones doing this on the job Look who's watching. Mm -hmm. You know, we had, we had a job with uh, uh, our non-union side of the business, Aero Automatic, and uh, at a Southwest Airlines hangar, and we're the only ones concerned about dropped objects. Mm -hmm. And the contractor, Hensel Phelps, saw that. Another con uh, trade partner saw that. Next thing you know, all the lifts are implementing different means and measures of drop objects. Because here you are in a 80 to 100-foot airplane mm -hmm. hangar. Mm -hmm everybody's up in the air right and and nobody regardless of the rules nobody wants to drop something on anyone else right right so they took that and so we find these opportunities to say 
you may think it's painful now, but look who's watching us, mm-hmm. right? Look how people are responding to what yeah. we do. And that's, that's kind of that backdoor recognition mm-hmm. saying, like, this isn't me. This is you guys doing it right? and showing it and, and living it that's getting, and it's uh, getting other people. Impacting to, these people yeah, yeah. that see it. Because, I mean, there's obviously <clears throat> your reputation. You know, people know they're on site with Keywood Continental. Who, you know, they know that they're on site with those. Mm-hmm. And you, you, ha- you come with a reputation, obviously. And I'm sure that there is a little bit of envy, perhaps, by some of the other yeah. subs. And, and, you know, so for them to actually try to follow suit, try to mimic some of what you're doing rather than you guys actually, oh, we don't have to wear that here. Well, we're just going to dump that. Yeah. That, that is real progress, mm-hmm. truthfully. You know, and something and, they should be proud of. Yeah. And a lot of people know that, you know, my sprinkler group is, is a keyword company, but that's, we, that's not how we're advertised, mm-hmm. right? When you hire Continental... You're hiring Continental, right? It's not you're hiring Kiwit. Gotcha. They're back there. Mm-hmm. It's you're hiring Continental. You're hiring mm-hmm. Arrow, right? And mm-hmm. and we really try, you know, and we talked about external motivation. And it's like, yeah, we're really good because of the Kiwit influence. Mm-hmm. But there's no question about it's it. It's a resource. Yeah, it's an it's a it's a resource. It's it's motivation. It's uh, pride. There's all kinds of mm-hmm. great things. But it's like, hey, like when we go out to a site, we let our actions speak. Mm-hmm. You know, and we don't throw around like, well, we're a Kiwit company. We're better than you. That has mm-hmm. nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, this is our expectation. And then that's where our guys get confused is because, you know, you get somebody that's just black and white, do it mm-hmm. this way, you know? And yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I like it, man. I don't know if we're, I think anybody's still listening or watching on YouTube by now. They're still listening. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it's, <laughs> I, I think, I, I don't know what the, you know, I have no way to interpret the metrics, and I'm sure that the vast majority of people think they're going to get that nugget of wisdom in the first 15 minutes or so. So I'm sure that listenership kind of drops off, fades off. It does for me when I listen to podcasts. You know, I listen strong for a while, and then I either get mm-hmm. onto something else or I arrive where I'm going, whatever, and I'm done. But I usually go back and finish it. Why? Do you have something that really? No. Really interesting that you want to say here no, at the end? I'm we just, can actually... We, this is like we're rambling. Dylan can cut it and put it up front. No. Um, no, this is good. It's, uh, you know, it's a lot of the... Well, it's just a continuing narrative, right? Man? I mean, we're never really done with the no. conversation. We just keep having another conversation. <clears throat> and the whole point is like, if you were to sum up, you know, what we're talking about, it's like, if you're just feeling stagnant or you feel stuck or you feel like you're wanting more you got to do a better job of just asking like, why are we doing this? Right. Mm-hmm. If you, if you, I think the state of Nebraska requires a safety committee, mm-hmm. but it's like, there is no def- definition. Like there's no means and methods of how that's supposed supposed yeah. to be done. I would say like, that's our civis program. That's our civis concept, craft mm-hmm. voice and safety mm-hmm. where we've simply just said, Hey, again, you guys are the ones at risk using the ladders, using the tools, working at heights, who has the best intel, right? It, you know, I don't know if it was Winston Churchill or Schwarzkopf or any one of those generals and leaders, but it's like the intel from the front line was the most valuable intel that they could strategize with, right? You can't right. take anything from school. You can't right. take anything from the books because it's all outdated right. and irrelevant, and you have to have that information ready. But what's happening now, 
what's the problem now? What's mm-hmm. what's what do we need to deal with based off of their issues? Mm-hmm. And it could be a contractor issue. It could be a trade partner issue. It could be site condition issue. It could be uh, a personality be issue, environmental yeah. personality. And and the the trick is, I mean, if if you can build trust with the the men and women doing the work in your business you're unstoppable. Yeah. Right. And it's, I, and it's a difference between being friends and being friendly because you're not there to be friends. Right. And, um, but you have friendly relationships and, and you know, you could, you can say, Hey, we're family here. It's like, come mm-hmm. on, we're not family. Not really. You know, you spend know, a lot of time together. Yeah. We spend a lot really of time family. together and, and we care, we, we care about your well being. We want to mm-hmm. see you succeed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, are you doing everything you can to provide, uh, everything for your team to make the best choices, mm-hmm. not just safe choices, right? Because mm-hmm. human error is going to surface whether it's a quality issue, a production issue, Absolutely. an injury, a vehicle accident. And so as long as they've had all the resources and you've, you've ironed that out, the next thing is helping them identify whether it's changing conditions or decision-making points on recognizing when they need to make the decision, Right. That, hey, I was going to go get the right ladder, but it was 20 miles back at the shop, so I just took a risk. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, we want you to make the drive back to the shop. Mm-hmm. Call. Somebody will bring it to you, right, and support them through those right. those uh, you know pinch points. Mm-hmm. But the most, the, I mean, it's just being available and, and listening to what they need and then responding appropriately, right? Yeah. So I, lo- I love that you say those things, man, and we, we have to wrap this up, but I love the fact that you say, look, I, I, we're not really a family. It's kind of a common phrase or a cliche that we use. We're one just big family. And, I, and the, you know, I mean, it sounds nice, but we, we're coworkers. Typically, we like some of the people we work with. We mm-hmm. don't like other people that we work with in all likelihood. That's always been the case for me. Yeah, it's I, I've never had a boss. It was a big kumbaya, huggy, touchy, feely. But we were always productive. We were always efficient, you know. I mean, right. as long as you, like you're saying, I mean, as long as you're <clears throat> providing the resources and allowing employees to make the right decision without consequence and things like that, I think you're going to get where you want to be. You don't, you know, I most of the people I work with are not big, huggy, you know, touchy, feely people. They're just, you know, and it's not a reality in the work environments that we work in. No. And, and it all starts with, and this is a whole nother podcast, but it's, it's how do you approach them and communicate with them? One thing we did early, instead of reprimanding people for first offenses, because reprimand and verbal warning is just a toxic word, mm-hmm. regardless of where you're at. Mm-hmm. We, cha- we made a simple change and we said we we're going to, we, we changed it to on the spot training or on the spot coaching. Mm-hmm. And, and when you approach somebody saying, hey, you messed up, you're, you're warned. Versus mm-hmm. this is a coaching opportunity. We want to see you get better. Totally different experience. Yeah. You, you potentially took somebody that could quit on you, be, be an enemy. Now it's an ally. Now it's somebody who's growing and part of your team. Let me show you, you know, because like just because they went through orientation six months ago, that orientation needs to continue right. through their career. And it's ladder safety training. 
is going to be more important during a ladder violation than it is going to be in a classroom. Right. You know, when no one's been on the ladder for three months and in the world of, in the world of a lot of don'ts, can'ts, shouldn'ts, <laughs> no, the mind has no concept of not doing something. Mm-hmm. So when you say don't do that, you're leaving it open for interpretation. So you have to be very crystal clear on what your expectations are and give clear instructions. I right? completely agree. And so that's, I mean, you've, you just got to first, you know, flip that around and say, how negative are you in the workplace and how negative are you? And mm-hmm. start saying, hey, I'm, not, I'm no longer going to put up signs that say you can't do this. I'm going to put up signs that say you can do this, right? Mm-hmm. If you can't work safe, you can't work here can be easily switched to, if you can work safe, welcome to the team. Mm-hmm. Right. I love that. So I think are... we could do a, a nice discussion on communication. Yeah. I think that would be a great, There's a lot of that good. would be a great concept. And that's one of those for... things where, you know, it's like, OSHA doesn't have anything on c- communication. Mm-hmm. You have no. to go find it. You got to listen no. for it. You got to grow it, build it. But yeah, no, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff out there that, you know, take care of your frontline employees and, and they'll take care of you and. Yeah. And, and be genuine and truthful and honest and dependable. It's, thank you, Ben. It's yeah. always thought for provoking, man. We I, had some announcements we didn't get to. We though. did not get to the announcements. I'm going to do those. We're going to we're going to do those um, in a separate segment. So we're going to record that right now. So if you were listening today and you made it all the way through the podcast, <laughs> we have two special announcements. Once we got rolling, I didn't want to interrupt the know. flow, man. So. Now, you know, now everybody's so, just going to remember the announcements and what time. <laughs> so tune back in for the announcements. They'll be coming at a later date. But it's always a good conversation, always thought-provoking. You are a very meticulous, thoughtful guy. You send me notes and things. I don't even open them up before we get together. <laughs> you get to the restaurant 15 minutes early. I drag in five minutes late, which throws off the whole thing sh- shui or swing fei or whatever the hell it is, yeah. you know. So add that to your list of Google things. <laughs> things exactly. To Google today. And I've got stuff to Google later. So Ben, <laughs> good. it's good to see you, man. I hope yep. you have a good weekend. I appreciate your coming in. Always a pleasure. It is always a pleasure, man. Thank you very much. Thanks everybody. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a great weekend. Give this some thought. Um, we're going to do a call in at some point where you can actually call in during the program. Right, Dylan. Okay. Dylan <laughs> says yes, where you can call in and ask questions of the guests. And so next time Ben's on, we'll give you an opportunity to ask him some questions directly if I didn't get to your questions. So have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. A Huda Media Production.